I think a universal axiom that people, regardless of culture, would agree with is that children just grow up too quickly. The only people who might disagree with that are those who are in the trenches with them right now. And uh, you're thinking, I can't wait till they grow up a little more. But uh, over time, you get perspective. And you realize <clears throat> that uh, the good old days were, you know, 10 years before and 10 years before and 10 years before. And our kids just grow up so quickly. From the time they can talk, they are saying no. They wonder why mom and dad have to be so mean and not let them play with what they want to play with. And this <clears throat> back and forth will continue uh, between parent and child until the child moves on into adulthood. Uh, they move on from age 18 usually out into the world. And uh, then it starts all over again when they move back in at 19. Every person has gone through this. Every family ever created has experienced this, this phenomenon. And it is <clears throat> when the core self of a little person, the core self begins to express itself in a desire to be independent, to have self-will to be autonomous. And this is parenting. Um, it's difficult. It can be uh, frightening, fearful. It's got all of those elements in it. But taking a totally dependent baby and raising that child as that child begins to stretch himself and push boundaries and uh, and express that self-will uh, it is definitely a process that can be fraught with difficulty however <clears throat> I was thinking the alternative is that the child never grows up the child that stays in perpetual infancy emotionally. A teen who continually throws temper tantrums. An adult child who will not become responsible. We've all seen it, and it's a sad sight when a child will not grow up. More often, though, we see this child grow up in a healthy manner. We see... Children sprout their wings and push against authority. And then we watch them battle like all the rest of us with self-will for the rest of our lives. This concept, this identity that I've called self-will uh, goes by different names. It can be called selfishness, 
arrogance, pride, independence, self-important, and it all speaks of one who is very protective of the autonomy of self-will. And this describes you and me perfectly. Our focal passage of study has been Romans 8, 29, and 30. And thus far, as we have looked at these uh, five fabulous, uh, valuable verbs, we have taken note that God has been very active in our lives prior to the time we had any knowledge of it at all. In the time only known as eternity past, God foresaw us, foreknew us. He looked, he saw us, and immediately developed a relationship with us. And he loved us. He then predestined us. That is, he predetermined these things upon your life. God set these boundaries upon your life. As he saw you, developed a relationship with you, loved you, he then placed upon you this predetermined plan. And that predetermined plan was to conform you and me into the image of Jesus Christ. So whatever else God may be doing in your life, you can rest assured that this is priority. It was predetermined in eternity past to have implication in your life right now. The third verb in this list from Romans <clears throat> um, 8, 29, and 30. Let me just go ahead and and read, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. And then 30, moreover, whom he predestined, these also he called. And the reason I emphasize this sense of self-will in the introduction is because it is at the point of this calling, drawing of God that our self-will stands to intervene. It is at this point in the overall economy of God, the overall perspective of God, it is at this point in His calling that this self protective desires that we have can, can step up and intervene and intercept so that the plan of God does not get fulfilled through us. 
we talk about the calling of God. I want you to uh, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. This is a passage that uh, we looked at last week, and I want to uh, very quickly review (coughs) uh, where we are in this passage. So please follow as I uh, read this passage. Um, My marker just fell out, so it'll do you a second. Hebrews 3, 7 through 11. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Now, this passage gives us a deeper understanding of what this calling and drawing of God is all about in our lives. Firstly, we see the intensity of the calling. The very first word is today. That is a time marker. The idea is now, in these moments, don't don't put it off, don't neglect it. Now, come now, today, in these moments, there is that force, that intensity of this invitation. That in these moments, it is urgent that we respond. Three more times in the next 11 passages, we hear this mantra. The calling of God, act upon it now or there will be consequences. Look in verse uh, verse 15. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Again repeated in verse uh, chapter 4, verse 3. For we who have believed do enter that rest. For he has said, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Again, the judgment, the consequence of being hard-hearted against the calling of God. And then in uh, chapter 4, verse 7, again, he designates a certain day, saying, And David, today, after such a long time as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That is the repeated mantra of this invitation from God. Today, today, now. He says, don't harden your hearts as in the day as Israel did in the days of their rebellion. But there's also an individuality to the call. Uh, the first phrase in the invitation is this: if any of you hear his voice, 
what God is saying here is that his calling upon our lives isn't necessarily all at one time. That there will be times when he will place his call, his drawing upon you and not the person sitting next to you. There will be times when you will be out and about and you sense that calling and drawing of God that is personalized for you. If you, or better, even when you. As God draws, if any of you hear his voice, it's that if-then uh, conditional clause if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. If it is you God is speaking to, do not turn away. And then really the, the uh, uh, primary emphasis of this passage is found in as God illustrates, the Hebrew writer illustrates the uh, his point about not hardening your heart. He takes a scene out of Old Testament Israel, and he brings it into the present writing. And he does so, he tells us, not to shame Israel, but to be a warning to us. Listen... <clears throat> To what he says, Hebrews 3, uh, beginning in 8b. In the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years, therefore I was angry with that generation, and I said, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my way, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Now, <clears throat> this, this warning, this challenge of not hardening your heart is, of course, a metaphor. It is, it is a, a figure of speech to help us understand what really took place among those people of Israel in that day. The writer is essentially informing us that we need to stop stiffening up when we sense God's drawing. We need to stop just turning in fear. We need to stop neglecting because he warns us there is a cost. There is a casualty, there is a consequence to his drawing and our refusing to respond. We're told he will become angry and refuse us holy rest and peace. But then, most interesting, I think, in this passage, as he continues his illustrations story, is that he tells us how these people's hearts got hardened. You remember, these were people of Abraham. 
These were of the royal seed of God. These were his exclusive people at the time. Their father Abraham picked up from the land of the of Ur of the Chaldees when God said, journey with me to a land he knew not. And in faith, Abraham followed God. Now here are his descendants. And something's happened between their father Abraham down through the lineage and the people who are being described in this story. God says about them, in the 40 years of wilderness wandering, you remember that, <clears throat> that Israel was made captive in Egypt. And they made cries and pleas to, to God. And so God uh, raised up Moses and led them uh, supernaturally out of Egypt toward a land he had given them, the land flowing with milk and honey. But before they could enter that land, this generation described here had to die out. And so they wandered in this wilderness area, although God protected them, met every need that they had, God said it was not enough for them. They complained. They tested me. They resisted me. They complained about me. And they turned their hearts hard against him. Now, <clears throat> I want to follow this story quickly in, in, in conclusion and look at four quick steps that these people took out of Abraham to become who they were. Forced quick steps. First of all, they lost perspective. They lost spiritual perspective. They absolutely uh, got the proverbial cart before the horse. God had blessed these people in so many ways, giving them miraculous escape from Egypt, leading them to their own land, some 2.5 million or more people. He met their, their thirst and their hunger needs out in a desert every day for those 40 years. And yet, all they did was complain, test him, and turn away from him. You know, <clears throat> I think partly because of this name it and claim it, hellish theology that has moved across uh, denominations this idea that God is some kind of vending machine and if we will put we'll deposit a certain amount of whatever 
uh, prayer and Bible reading and, and the belief, faith, that we can pull the knob and God is going to respond. That somehow we become master and he's become servant. And if he doesn't come through for us in, in some manner of life or need, if he doesn't come through in the way that we expect, want, believe, etc., They looked up at heaven and said, are you even here? Seriously? Are you really even among us? And they tested. They moved from a loss of perspective to entitlement. And this is where the transition happened. Because suddenly it became more about what they wanted than the will of God. They began thinking they deserved more than what God was providing. They felt entitled to get what they want. So when God did not meet their expectations, they entered a period, what I'm calling shock and awe. They just became so freaking offended that God would not do what they ask that they're like the little boy that takes his ball and says, well, I'm going home. You won't play it my way. I'll take my ball and go home. Or people who get in a huff and uh, over trivial nothings. This is what they did. God, I, I just, I, I can't believe that you would treat me like this. I can't believe that you would keep making us go through this same process. And they totally lost sight of all that he'd done. Shock and awe gave way to pity party. They were so aghast that God wouldn't coddle them. They began their woe is me. God doesn't care about us. We were better off back in Egypt before he even got involved with us. <clears throat> You've probably heard the term hardening of the arteries. Kind of an old term. <clears throat> it's... Um, Arthrosclerosis. And it is a building up of plaque in the artery. The artery, of course, is the uh, tube through which blood flows. And as little particles of plaque stick to the walls, the, the path the blood can go through gets smaller and smaller. Such that if it gets severe enough, it could cause a heart attack, a stroke, kidney problems, and others. The building up of plaque. 
If you envision our relationship with God, our tie to God, as a spiritual artery. These little flicks of plaque, like loss of perspective, cart before the horse, plaque comes off of that. We enter into that <clears throat> entitlement. And on through shock and awe and pity party. And now does God even care? Is he even here? And these little pieces of, of devilish, selfish uh, Spiritual plaque come flying off, flying through, and begin to narrow that opening until a hardness sets in. And that is hardening your heart before God.